Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Fancy meeting you here. And that's Mandy. Yeah, hi, Mandy. (laughs) We are Brown Ambition. We're going to get that right one day. (laughs) (laughs) Not our best intro. (laughs) Not our finest work. (laughs) Not the finest hour. Um, How have you been? How was your day? How was your week? Your weekend? Weekend. The week, it's just, everything's just blurring together. I can't believe it's already February. I know. Well, no. No, I mean, like it's March. March. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm way behind. It's going to be March, like, in a few days. And I'm, this this year is just going by too fast. I feel like I need a professional slowdown. I don't know how to accomplish that because I've never been busier, like, work-wise. But I, I feel like I can't, you know, you, you get to that point where you're like, you really can't keep up this pace much longer. Yes, so, I am definitely here. I'm trying to be self-aware and feel the signs of breakish down, break downtown. I'm <laughs> yes. like passing the exits, getting closer. Oh, yeah, you're like, oh, there's break downtown. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Break downtown. I think I'm like 50 miles out right now. Um, yeah, I need to, I need to, I need to, to, to chill out. One thing that's, that's killing me is like, I need, I need to desperately hire another editor to support, mm. to back up myself and then my other, my editor. And it's not just me who's suffering, my managing editor too. She and I are just in the trenches together. But I'm really picky and there aren't a ton of, you know, candidates that have, that are like have the right mix of everything we want, okay. like experience and then fit match the compensation level that we have available, et cetera, et cetera. So okay. I'm just, you know, I've just been hiring other positions and kind of this has just become the last one that's left and it's the most important one. Mm. Um, but it's so hard. It's like you don't think about it when you – It's all, it all sounds exciting. Like we're growing and you can hire a team. You know, my team was one person, you know, two people eight months ago and now it's working on ten people and it's all super exciting. But then you have like you have to recruit those ten people which takes time and like imagine Bring like – train them but then imagine all the people you have to interview before you get to the one that you want um the whole process is just so involved and because it's so many all at once and then i also my job responsibilities have gotten so insane it's like i'm i'm just reviewing applications at home after work most days or you know setting up like trying to do the recruitment stuff after hours mm. and focusing on it's just like a 
it's like a it's a weird like chicken and the egg like cycle yeah. thing. I just can't get unstuck from it. Like not having enough time for work, but I need an editor to work, but I can't have time. I don't have time to find the editor because I'm working so much. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's nuts. I'm sure I I don't know. And it's just that's just like where I'm at. Sorry to. No, I feel you. Because honestly, I finally I've reached my I reached my um capacity point. And I like there's this group I belong to called um Build It Well Brand, Build and Launch It with Arsha Jones. So Arsha Arsha is a entrepreneur who um she has got a number of brands like Teeth in the Trap. She also makes capital um what is that what is that sauce in DC that's especially like it's like a oh, it's called Mumbo sauce. Have you ever had a mumbo sauce? No, I'm still caught up on teasing the trap. Oh yeah, <laughs> so tea. So she's got a whole bunch of dope brands. So she started this um, Facebook group, which is really awesome. It's filled with mostly brown ambition entrepreneurs, and um, and so I like being in there. It's really inspirational. But I just like I've been so exhausted that Friday night I fell asleep at like six or seven, and my friend, um, my best friend Linda, texted me was like, "Hey, you want to go to this concert?" But I didn't see it because I was asleep. She'd gotten free tickets to this old school concert with like Onyx, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, like all the people that I grew up with, like in the 90s. And I was like, but I didn't see it. So when I woke up, I was like, I can't live like this anymore. That was your so rock I, bottom. Yeah, that was my <laughs> <laughs> Missing the old school rap concert. I was like, you know, I can take a lot of things. But what I can <laughs> Something is not right. <laughs> So I um I went to the group because there's a lot of like different um professional just literally every type of entrepreneur you could think of and um I posted help that I run two successful businesses but I'm having trouble staying organized personally and professionally that like I I work best with I do work best within systems and I have um my businesses like the people who work for me they have systems but they're only as effective as I will allow because oftentimes I'm the bottleneck. You know, where it's like, oh, it's got to pass through Tiffany. Oh, well, girl, good luck, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, when the system, the systems we have that don't that don't require me work amazing. But the systems where I, I must participate, <laughs> I slow everything up. Because I just have too many things. And I just, I, I want, like, a, I never, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really, ever really believe in, like, a business coach, like, in the traditional sense. But I what I really w- am looking for is someone who knows how to help people get organized. It doesn't have to be business. I'm just talking about in my regular life. Like if I want to be really productive tomorrow, what do I need to do tonight? What do I need to do when I wake up? Like how do I organize my time and my day? That's what I'm looking for. And so I posted in there. I got a lot of great feedback. And honestly, I'm interviewing like seven or eight different kind of like productivity folks or systems folks. So I'm excited because I was like, enough is enough, Tiffany. Like you've taken yourself as far as you could take yourself. Like I was the college kid who was like, "Mm, I think I'll do my paper three hours before it's due. Or like, you know, like I've always been like, ah, just get her done. And I've been able to like bulldoze my way through like, well, you know, I still got an A on the paper, even though now I'm having a nervous breakdown after I submitted it, you know? (laughs) So I don't want to live like that anymore. So I'm excited about sharing like this coaching because I've never, I've had mentors and a lot of my friends I ask questions of, but I've never had like, aside from having a personal trainer, like a, you know, physical personal trainer, I've never actually had like an official coach. So what are these people? So they like help you manage your time like more efficiently? Well, this is what I'm hoping. My takeaway is I don't want someone who I'm going to keep forever. I want someone who is going to give me strategies of, 
Like, I want someone to dissect, okay, this is what you're currently doing? Okay, got it. So how do you work best naturally? Got it. Okay, well, you know what? The best thing to do is, you know, um, set aside three hours a day in this block and then two hours in this. I don't even know, like, I don't know what the solution is. I just want someone to help me reorganize my, well, just organize, because I've never been organized, to really teach me those skills, because I've never had, like, a system. My system is just get it done. And so I would like to put some systems in place, if that makes sense. Not so much business systems. Like I think a lot of the coaches were like, oh, you need business coaching. And I'm like, well, maybe down the line, but essentially I need Tiffany coaching. Like, how do I organize my time in my day so I'm not like, oh, my God, I forgot dinner. Okay, what are we going to eat? Pizza. You know, like, how do I, you know, I know there's some things I can do the night before in the morning to make sure that I'm maximizing my time. As it is right now, I feel like... um like a firefighter, I'm constantly putting out fires and emergencies or I'm putting out fires that could have been prevented with some previous like thing I could have done. And um, I'm reaching capacity where I could do that before and get away with it. But I really feel like this is the last year that I have the ability to do that and get away with it, that it's like, starting to take a toll and I'm like exhausted. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's such a process, the whole, it's like productivity and how you achieve it. Cause it really just depends on like so many different factors. What works, like yeah. you mentioned, what worked for you in college is not going to work for you, exactly. you know, later on in your career, as you take on more responsibilities. I found that, you know, at, at um, my company lending tree, one of the things they did for us was give us some personality training, which mm. sounds really like corny, but it's, it's workplace personality. It's a little bit different. It's called disc D I S C training. I think I don't know if I mentioned this before, but it actually tells you how you it helps you see how you work in the workplace, what your personality is like at work, and then how like it tells you what your weaknesses and your strengths are. Um, And basically, what I found is my natural state of being, which is like very introverted and very much like task oriented and doesn't want to be bothered and just write. Basically, a creative person. I just want to like write, sit in a room in a dark room with me and you know my materials and just create stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, does not work for a manager. Mm. Like does not make a good manager. So I and it's not like that means I can't be one. It just means that I have to really think. I have to really think specifically and strategically around how I interact with my employees and then how um, just how I how I. Um, how I act at work and how I present myself and communicate and put in a lot of extra effort, like even making notes for myself, like you need to get up and talk to people today. Okay. (laughs) You need to put your to do, like make your to do list, but come in earlier so you can get your to do's done. So you feel like you are in a, you know, relaxed enough state to have conversations with other people and you're not like, cause otherwise, I mean, it's just, it's just my personal, you know, situation at work right now is, there are so many things to be done and I can line up a list of tasks every day and never complete them all. But I can't, I can't just focus on those tasks at the, you know, at the um, detriment of everything else, everybody else in the room who needs something from me um, and who I need to be, you know, helping as an editor, working with writers, working with editors, helping them become better. Can't do that if I'm focused on what I've always been focused on, which is just what I'm doing. You know, like that served me great when I was a reporter. Yeah. And it was my byline. That's all I cared about. But now I got 10 people I need to worry about. So it's that switch for me and, and doing that training in December. And if there's, and I'm doing another, I'm just doing all these trainings now, which it's just on like leadership and, and things. I'm doing one March uh, 5th. It's specific to women in media, but okay. I'm sure there's other like 
There's I'm it, now that I'm looking for it. There's so many of these seminars. Yeah, and I like in person stuff, but seminars, coaching, um, these types of like resources that are meant to help do exactly what you're talking about. Like, how do I make my life and career like work, and how yeah. how can I you know adjust? Like, I know who I am as a person, but how do I improve on it to be better exactly. as a businesswoman or as a because it's like it's like a mix. It's like I, I want to um, honor who I am as a person, but I also don't want to get stuck. Well, this is how I am. It's like, well, that's not good right there. <laughs> like, <No>. you know. <laughs> and so, so I'm just I'm curious. I'm I'm really gonna remain like I'll share the process with you guys. I'm gonna remain open to like different, you know, like ways of being because I I feel like it's like what you said about how you your personality was perfectly suited at that moment when you're a reporter. I feel like that. The, the way I am got me here, but the way I am is keeping me here. Yeah. You know? And so exactly. I'm just like, this is so, it's hard because I don't, like, I'm not working for someone. So this is my own personal development. So it took a moment to figure out well, what am I supposed to do next? I don't, you know, where am I supposed to go? So I think, well, you know, the, the best thing to start off with is just kind of reach out and say, help, because I'm not even sure what kind of coach I'm supposed to be looking for. But I feel like with, I have like literally, like I said, eight interviews, maybe like two or three tomorrow. And I, I want to start in March. So I'm, I'm trying to kind of like have uh, 15 to 20 minute chats with um, everyone to get an understanding of the process. And so they can get an understanding of me. So I'm excited, though, honestly, because I someone was like, are you being too hard on yourself? And I had to reflect. And I said, no, because I don't think I'm not like you're a bad person, Tiffany, because you're not organized. I mean, I've always been a mess. So not in a bad way, but. That's just kind of like, oh, like my room's messy right now. Like poor Superman, he's super neat and I'm not. But it doesn't, to me, it's not um, a condemnation of my character. It's just like I recognize, okay, like you've been able to kind of skirt around this kind of like messiness, but now it's starting to spill over to the other part. And if you want to have kids and enter that into the mix, child, good luck, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned earlier, you called it a personal development. That's exactly what I did during that training in December. They made us do a personal development plan. And I think that's so important. It's it's like you said, it's not a negative thing about you, but it's like a recognition that you have room to grow. And I feel like the big mistake a lot of people make is they don't, they don't reach for, they don't reach out and try to, to improve themselves personally, especially young managers. I've had one of my driving forces is that I've had a young boss, you know, I'm only 30 years old, and I'm managing people who are older than me. And I've had the young boss who doesn't who wants to, um, to not or even an older boss too, who doesn't want to um, focus on themselves and, and how you know, just sort of gets in a place of power and is like, well, it's my way or the highway. Mm. And that's not good for you. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't um, endear you to any of your yeah. workers, probably they're just talking smack about you. Yeah. Um, so, and even if you're, you know, lending tree, they, they gave me that training and that was cool. But I think if you're working for a company the same way I did, you can still look for those types of opportunities on your own. And, you know, whether your company will cover it or not, you won't know unless you ask. True. Um, a lot of our, since I, since I checked our listener survey results, I know a lot of our <laughs> listeners, like the vast majority are working full time for employers. So, you know, if it's something, even if you're not a manager or you, or you want to just be more productive in your role, I think you should yeah. definitely consider looking up on your own some training, seminars, whatever, that fit your fit your job and would make you more productive. And then taking that proposal to your boss, um, making a case for it. One of the things that I institute after the experience I had at at the at my the seminar I did in December at the Pointer Institute, 
I I worked on with my with my mom with my boss rather my mom, <laughs> <laughs> not my mom. So your boss. <laughs> so my boss, oh, my other boss, my other boss to institute a policy now. So every because we didn't have one, you know, we didn't have a policy on how much you could spend on professional development, and so now mm. everyone on my team can spend a thousand dollars a year. Um, and get reimbursed for, for one of the like a conference or a seminar or something and you know with approval and everyone was just so thrilled and you know that I it, love that I'm gonna do that I'm stealing that for the business okay but do it for yourself too <laughs> I'm not yeah I'm not I'm not thinking about a thousand dollars now you know we gotta slow down but yeah I think because I one of my um hey shout out to Logan uh, one of my unicorn squad members, that's what we call ourselves like the team. She was like, I'm taking this course on, she does a lot of copy um, writing and it's fairly new for her, but she's really good at it. She has a natural knack. And she was just the other day saying, I'm taking this course on copywriting. I'm super excited. And I thought, wow, I, I love that there was this initiative to say, I'm, I have a natural knack, but I want to really understand the art of this. So let me, and so I think, oh, that's awesome. Honestly, I love having that set aside budget. I feel like the team, hey, Unicorn Squad, we bring it, because they listen, unlike my family and my oh, friends, hey whatever, right? Everybody, <laughs> and no one else listens, but Unicorn Squad listens. <laughs> so I definitely think that that's an awesome idea. We're definitely going to implement that, that you can choose some, you know, like to invest in yourself and the company will pay for it up to a certain amount. I, I think that's a great idea. Yes. Okay. So look, just wait. By this time, I'm going to be so organized. Yeah, right. But I'm just, you know, <laughs> I'll be better. <laughs> Work in progress. Work yes, in progress. Always. Oh, and, and so, well, no, I was going to say nothing major aside from like the usual. I have but, a, uh, a, my house update. Oh, yes. Um, my journey as a homeowner. Um, Gosh, I don't think I've mentioned it since the first time when I said we were just getting a house, but Basically, we are we've we're in under contract. Things are going okay. ridiculously smoothly. I'm just waiting for the other foot to like. I'm just so nervous about this whole process. <laughs> I'm like, that. so where is the asbestos? I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, no, things are going things are going pretty well. We did have a couple of hiccups that I wanted to share real quick, just from my learning experience. So I don't know if I mean if you if so basically. I've written about this in mortgage industry. I know all these things intellectually, but actually being in it, I didn't factor in like the emotions of the homeownership process and how I would like make mistakes because I just got emotional about stuff. So one example early on is that um, basically we, we had put in our offer, it was accepted, and I was comparing, trying to compare loan offers from three different lenders, which was my number, three or four different lenders at the time. And I finally got the rate that I wanted and the person on the phone at the lender we ended up going with was like, well, do you want to lock it in for you? I can lock it in for you right now. And of course, I was like, yes, because if you're paying attention, mortgage rates are rising every hour, every day, it seems like right now, still a lot lower than they have been historically, but they are rising. And every time they rise, it gets more expensive to, to borrow. So I was like, yes, lock in my rate. And I know what a rate lock is. It just means that they're going to give you that rate. And no matter if rates go up or not, they're gonna, you have this rate guaranteed, right? What I forgot about is that rate locks expire, okay? Mm-hmm. And if they expire before your closing date, then you may have to pay to extend that rate lock. Yep. So I just got all caught up. I was locked in the rate. And then that was before I even got my loan contract, right? Okay, cool. So the loan contract comes and the closing date is set for April 10th which is 20 days later than the rate lock was uh, was set for. 
And I had to do a little backpedaling and some sweet talking, you know, some like <laughs> just being really nice. And I had to go back to the lender and explain what had happened and just tell them I was confused. I kind of, you know, I'm like, it's my first home. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> it's just a mistake. And great. Like, thank goodness um, the bank um, agreed to extend the rate lock for free essentially, Ooh, awesome. which, which saved me potentially thousands of dollars because sometimes they charge you a percentage of your total loan. They to, do. I've done yeah. it. Oh, you my have? First, okay. Well, my very first house, it, like the rates were ridiculously low. They were, it was like three point something or something like two point something. I don't remember, but I locked in the rate and I, um, same thing, super eager, did it super early. It was a pretty smooth process like you're having now, but still it's not like I closed in like, you know, like 30 days. It, it, and so I, I ended up paying whatever the percentage was, it wasn't a whole lot of money, but to extend the rate lock. So I've been, girl, I done did all the house things. <laughs> I'm just learning. No, I, I feel was... like that, that, like, I feel like Frankenstein, like I, I got to go through all of the, the trials and tribulations in order for everybody to see the light. I'm like, why do I have to learn? I said Frankenstein. That's not the, the, the analogy I meant, but yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah, that like every financial mistake out there, I've made just about all of them or every like hard financial lesson. And then I'm like, I'm here to tell the tale, but no, that's awesome that they let you do that and extend that because you're right. That's going to save you so much money in the long run because you're getting, it's a, are you guys doing a 30 year or a 15 year? 30 year, okay. but it ain't going to be 30 years. Yeah. I told you my plan. I saw that amortiz Louise amortization schedule. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's it, my my amortization schedule. So this tells you basically how much you'll pay toward interest over the lifetime of your loan versus principal because they like front load the interest payments. So most of your early mortgage payments go toward the interest, which mm -hmm. I knew again intellectually, but then seeing my own mortgage laid out for me, like I was five in five years, I was going to pay one hundred and thirty three thousand dollars in interest and only thirty three thousand dollars in principal. Right. And over the course of my loan, my effective interest rate would be seventy eight percent. Basically, seventy eight percent of my loan balance, I would pay on top of it in interest. They give you this in the loan disclosure. If you read your loan disclosure closely, now the new fancy ones that they had to roll yeah. out after the recession, they tell you all the business. And I read it and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. So my, <laughs> my plan is to actually make it a 15-year mortgage, but I want the flexibility of a 30-year mortgage just in case something happens. And, okay. you know, God forbid, and we won't be able to afford our mortgage payments. I won't be, you know, 15-year mortgage would effectively double my payment. And I don't mm. want to be stuck with that for 15 years. Um, so I, I plan on, yeah, paying it off a lot sooner. Um, yeah, I brought up the appraisal because one of the things that I've, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot and written about in the mortgage industry right now is like, in a lot of, in, 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 a, in quite a few markets, not every housing market, but demand is so high and housing supply is so low that in a lot of cases, people are buying houses, like there's bidding wars to get these houses, right? And mm -hmm. people are buying houses that are actually worth more than their appraised value. And it's actually more common than you might think. Um, and that was one of the concerns I had, right? Buying a purchasing a, purchasing a house in in the in the area of New York where I bought it was I really wanted to be sure that we weren't spending more than we needed to. So we actually went in um, sixty dollars. Well, ended up getting the house for sixty under listing price. The sellers dropped it, and then we went in low in our in our bid, ten um, k below asking. But and then we were fine. We had like a verbal agreement, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. But then a weekend passed by and, you know, we had done our inspection and then a week a weekend passed by in between. And then on that Monday, we got a call saying that another um, another uh, person or uh, buyer had put in an offer at asking, which okay. I at the time thought was a little bit higher based on the inspection and stuff. Um, but they liked us. And so they gave us an opportunity to match their offer at asking. And we went in at asking, which was 10K more than what we originally went in for. And at the time I was like a little, I felt uncomfortable because I was like, man, I just, we did the inspection. It wasn't terrible, but there are things we have to do. Um, and that I know are definitely, you know, I was, I was really eager to have that $10,000 cushion. You know what I mean? I mean, I have more than that, but just know that I was getting it for $10,000 less made me feel good inside. But we went into asking and, you know, it was fine. And then the appraisal came in. So the, the appraisal happened, the lender, our lender, we're using a lender, um, we paid for it, but they hired an appraisal company and sent them out to appraise the house. And the appraisal ended up coming in $5,000 less than our purchase mm. price. <laughs> it was my, that's what I said. So in that situation, our, what we had heard is that this happened so common and our lawyer was like, well, in a lot of cases, you just meet them in the middle. So basically they would agree to drop the price 2,500 and we would have to come out of pocket an additional twenty five hundred to because basically the bank is not going to give us a mortgage yes. for less oh. than the house is worth, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's really important to to know that, like, if the house comes in under you know under the purchase price, you've got to yes. basically come up with the cash if you don't have it. And it was you know only five thousand dollars, but I'm sitting here now. I'm thinking in terms of like, well, damn, that's the HVAC. Like that's a new set of pipes for the kitchen, yeah. you know, that's a washer and dryer. So I'm really don't want to have to, and first of all, there's just so many other costs involved. I'm not, I don't want to spend the 2,500 if I don't have to, and or 5,000 if it came to that, because the sellers very well could be like, shoot, we'll get another two, three, four, five offers, you know, tomorrow if, if this doesn't go through. Um, but fortunately, um, you know, we let the weekend go by, told, t- stood up and said, you know, told the attorney, you know, we don't, I don't want that. Ask them if they'll be willing to come down in the price. And thankfully they were, they were willing to come down. Good. Um, so we're getting it at, at the, 5, appraise, yeah, at okay, the, at the appraisal. Value. Yeah. Because the, here's the thing, like, um, even though the sellers might say we'll get somebody else, but if that, if that somebody else's bank says the same thing then you're they're counting on those people also have cash out of pocket so it's like what's that phrase a a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush i like it you know so (laughs) that just means that like the bird that you actually have is worth more than two potential birds that might be hiding i've never heard that before (laughs) yeah you never heard of that oh yeah it's a new thing i'm teaching these young millennials out here (laughs) Right, a bird so, in the hand is for two in the bush. Two in the bush. I'm not gonna lie. It took me years. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And then um, I figured it out. The Googles. And so yeah, so they're smart because you guys are solid. This is why it's important. If you're gonna buy a house, you have to present yourself as a solid buyer. Solid. Um, you know, you have your 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 bank is already behind you. You've got a great um credit score. You know, like showing that you have money to put down because it means that you're likely to close. So if you have things that are a little shaky, then that means anything can happen until you close. You know, like literally at the last moment, the bank is like, never mind. Mandy opened up a credit card and you're like, ah, they bought a a card two days ago. Anything can happen. And so the more solid of a buyer you can be, they were smart because they saw that you and um, husband were solid buyers. And, you know, yes, they could put it back on the market. But there's no guarantee that anybody else is going to be willing to come out of pocket. I know I wouldn't be because I'm like, well, literally, you're asking me to 
if, if a house is an investment, you're asking me to overpay for an investment. So my return on my investment right now is negative. That's not right. You know, so that's good. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, it's time to break boost. Um, I'm not going to lie. I Well, you know what? I'm going to do a brown boost. Um, and my brown boost goes out to my sugar plum, um, my nephew. And well, my sugar plums, my nephew, my niece, that even when I'm my, my, they're literally like my, I don't know, my happy space. So when I'm like super overwhelmed, I'm like, nothing's going right. I literally call my sister and I'm like, Obi, that's her nickname, Obi. <gasps> I'm not even her. I'm like, are the kids home? <laughs> and she's like, yes. Well, I'm like, I need a boost. And I'll just come over and my my, my niece is only one. So she's crawling. But my nephew's uh, almost, she's like two and a half. So he'll run to the door, auntie, and then we'll play and watch Moana. And just the, just as I'm driving over there, whatever my cares and worries are, like, melt away. There's just something about happy-go-lucky kids. And so, yes, I just want to boost just that natural dopamine I get from just, like, hearing their voice or seeing them. And sometimes if I can't get over, I'll just literally look at their picture like, please give me some good juju. I need it! <laughs> And so they're here now. They're actually downstairs. Like my um my um my husband is giving my nephew a haircut because he's like the only one that for whatever reason is that will allow him to cut his hair without screaming bloody murder. So <laughs> it's just like it just puts me in such a great state of mind no matter what's happening. And so that's how I knew I was like, wow. I've always liked kids, but like my my visceral reaction to them is like, yes, you're ready to have a baby. <laughs> like I never cared this much before. Not for them, just in general. I mean, as a teacher, I loved my kids, but I wasn't like, oh, I want my kids. Now I'm like, oh, I want them forever until I babysit for eight hours straight. And I'm like, take them home. But um, <laughs> the ovaries are heating up. Yes, they are definitely heating up. Um, so, yeah, that's my brown boost. It's just my natural, um, you know, natural dopamine I get from my niece and my nephew. Okay, so my break, I actually have, I'm like, which news story do I go from? So there's two, I'm just, one, it's just funny to me. So this story just came out today. So Ben Carson, remember Mr. Magic Hands? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, would-be president is now, if you forgot where he is, he's the director of housing and urban development. Okay, so, you know, the the HUD, HUD is just, I mean, it's in charge of a lot of stuff, but one of those is providing housing to low-income Americans, Right. So this New York Times investigation just found that at the same time, Mr. Ben Carson was announcing he was going to cut low-income housing across the country. Um, his wife was uh, using government dollars to purchase a $31,000 dinette set for his office. Wow. Womp, okay. Womp, womp. Yeah, it's just like, well, how embarrassing is that? 
highly embarrassing. It just, it just, I just, it just shows you like the mentality that's happening in, in the White House right now, and his cabinet members, like the fact. And, his, and I'm just reading this story now, but basically, his wife encouraged the people who were holding the purse strings to break rules to find this thirty-one thousand dollars for this wow. like this dining set. Well, you know, I'm not surprised because I remember my parents literally giving me gifted hands, like my dad was saying, read it. It's so inspirational because Benjamin, the thing that he turned his nose up at, the single mother raising like young black boy, like I'm like, but that was literally your life. I just don't get it. Like, is the self-hatred that deep? Like, you know, like anti-single mother. So uh, your mom, I don't get it. You know, so it's just. Honestly, it's just, yeah. Power clouds judgment. No, it's for real. And it's such a shame because he had the opportunity to have his legacy be so powerful because of like what, as a surgeon, how, what a brilliant gifted surgeon that he was. And especially with the background that he had, like that was his legacy. No one knew anything else about this other foolishness, but he decided to throw it all away. And now I can't see him as like, you know, of course, I know that he's this gifted surgeon, but your legacy is now that you are a gifted idiot. And so there you go. (laughs) There you go. Well said. (laughs) Hey, it's time for questions, guys. Remember, you can go to brightambitionpodcast.com to ask us anything and or you can email us at brightambitionpodcast at gmail.com. And we, I am working hard. We're going to answer more of your questions. We're trying to answer more of your questions, um, pack it into the show. So today, let's see if we can get through two shorter questions. Um, so here's a question from, oh, this is a, okay, I'll save the life insurance one for next week. I think it's a good one, though, but it's probably going to take too long. So this question is from Ava. It's about her mother, um, who's 58 years old, and she says it's a heavy retirement question. So let me paraphrase this. My mom is 58. She's incredible. She did everything for me and my siblings. Recently, she was divorced. And after the divorce proceedings, my father managed to get away without having to pay her anything. So now, essentially, my mom has no money to fight him in court, um, has a house with 25 years left on the mortgage, and only $10,000 saved up. Needless to say, she's incredibly discouraged. Again, she's 58 years old. I told her not to worry that my siblings and I will help her figure it out, but she's very independent and wants to do it on her own. What are, I'm very worried that she's so desperate that she's going to fall prey to some get rich quick, get rich quick scams. Mm. So what are the best steps for her to take over the next six to seven years? What's the best plan for her to maximize her retirement savings? And how can I and my siblings help her? We love her and want her to be well taken care of. That's very sweet. And I feel so, I feel so strongly for for this mom because she's actually my mom's age and my mom just got divorced a couple of years ago and not to put her business out there, but she, you know, didn't get divorced with a ton of like a, a big safety net at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad's also 58 and he just started a new job, you know, a few months ago and has zero sort of retirement. He's never had a 401k and no retirement. So I've thought about this question a lot for my own parents. Um, you know, how, what can they do? And, um, I started when I when I got this question, I started thinking about um, first the mortgage. So she has a house. She has an asset Mm -hmm. um, way she could save more and also reduce her living expenses. So I have just like two quick ideas. And then, of course, you can chime in. So one on on how she can save more is when you're over um, 50 years old, you're actually able to make catch up contributions 
to your retirement account, to your 401k. So that means right now, I think the maximum limit for for uh, per year is $18,000 annually for the regular, the average, uh, average worker in their 401k. But if you're over 50, you can actually contribute, I think, an additional $6,000 for a total of $24,000 to your 401k. So if she's looking to save more, she could be socking away more money pre-tax into her 401k. And I know 58 seems old, like, oh, retirement's only seven years away. Like it is, but more and more experts are saying that even that, you know, you're going to be living, you know, depending on your health, Mm -hmm. um, you may be living into your 80s. You know, it's not uncommon these days to live that long. So that's another 20 years Um, you know, 15 to 20 years you may have to last. Um, And so it's not like it's not important for you to be investing now. It it, it is important to think about investing now um, and and continuing to put away money. So if she has the extra money, I would say, use use the fact that you're over 50 to to make those catch-up contributions. And my second thing is, you know, she has a mortgage with 25 years left on it. Um, Is it possible for you to downsize or is it possible for you to get a tenant um, to rent a floor out to or a room out to or something to bring in additional income, you know, make that asset work for you. Or you could, like I said, think about selling and maybe downsizing to something that's more affordable, even though I know it's it's probably really difficult at that age to think about taking a step back in terms of your housing. But it's not uncommon, I don't think. A lot of people in their, you know, 60s downsize, not just because financially, but just because they don't need as much house anymore, you know. With, with children grown up and like being out of the house, maybe that's something um, something you can consider. And because she mentioned get rich quick scams, I immediately thought of um, reverse mortgages. Okay, so first let me explain what a reverse mortgage is. So basically a reverse mortgage is a special type of loan from the bank for people from homeowners who are over the age of 62. So with the reverse mortgage, the lender is basically going to pay you back some of your home's equity. And instead of giving it to you in one lump sum, it's going to convert it into monthly payments. For as long as you live, you live in your home, and you continue to pay off your other obligations of your mortgage, you don't actually have to pay the money back. However, if you were to die or sell your home or move out, you or your spouse or your estate, meaning possibly your children, your heirs, um, could become liable for the loan. So it may sound like it's a great way, and it can be, you know, a nice way to have additional income coming in every month. It's definitely not for everybody, especially if you don't think you'll be able to, if you don't want your future heirs or your spouse to have to suddenly be stuck with the payments um, if you were to suddenly pass away or sell your home and weren't able to to pay the the lender back. So just keep that in mind. And I would just say really like consult a professional before you consider it because it may not be like this, you know, the one fit answer that is going to help you, you know, get your finances back on track that you may think it is. And I'll just add this one thing that I don't know. Did she say that the divorce just happened? She said four years ago, I believe. Okay. I was just going to say that if it, it, if it, if it just happened, one of the things I remember, um, a grief counselor friend of mine said that, you know, when to give yourself time before you make any major decisions before years is, is a, is, is a good amount of time, but like, you know, not to make any rush decisions because oftentimes you're, you know, you're still grieving and she might still be four years might not be complete, but, um, to make choices, you know, from a space of like, not this panic, you know, mode, because there are going to be choices that are going to reflect the fact that you're acting from a place of um, fear and worry. And 
And sometimes, like, you know, because, like, my mom, honestly, was like, I don't want to work anymore. I was like, oh, so, like, in a year? She's like, no, as in two months from now. I'm like, wait, mommy, what? She just was over it. She literally woke up and was like, I'm over it. My dad has been retired for years because he's, like, 11 years older than her. And so she honestly has, like, a year and a half left. But she's just like, I'm not going back to work. I'm over it. And so I, I could sit down with her, and I did at first, but I realized that I needed a third set of eyes that wasn't as invested as I was and as she was, so we could get like a calming voice for us all to kind of look at like the, the, the collective finances of she and my dad and then her finances. And so sometimes that helps too. So I would just suggest that of having maybe somebody sit, sit with you guys to kind of like unpack the finances because that's what we had to do because I was worried at first, but then as we started to unpack her finances, I realized that there's actually enough here. There's enough she and my dad have enough in retirement, but then they also have enough as far as like other kind of income coming in. And I said, oh, so it made me like, I was worried at first, like, wow, you're, you're not following the plan. Like daddy has the, like my father was a CFO and an accountant. So he had like the plan all planned out. Once she retires in two years, like if she would have waited, the plan would have been like planned action now. But like, you know, two years early, he didn't plan for that. So, you know, the, the linear thinker in him is like, ah, what are we going to do? And so having like, so despite that me being in finance and my dad being like super Mr. Finance with his like masters in like economics and finance, you know, it, it was still nice to have a third set of eyes that wasn't like in freak out mode. So that's just a suggestion. Yeah. And the fact that you guys are there to support her um, is an asset. Um, so I, I think maybe taking Tiffany's suggestion, getting maybe an expert to sit down with her and really look. Another thing is you may not even know your mother's whole financial picture. Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, sometimes I catch snippets of reality, like snippets of truth, financial truths of my parents. And I'm like, you did what, where, like what? Um, because you know, they may not want to tell you everything. And so they may even just need like another person, an expert to talk to, to tell them that, you know, the whole truth. Um, of where their finances are at, because only then can they really make a plan for, for them to, you know, that could potentially help her um, save more for retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for your question, Ava. Um, So yeah, so continue to reach out to us. If you have questions um, and you, you know, you want answers, you want answers, um, definitely hit us up at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. You could also go to brownambitionpodcast.com and, and uh, click Ask Us Anything. That's like the simplest way. And um, it's time for wins. Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so good. Like, wait, see, look at I don't even have a coach yet. And look how I remembered the email and all that kind of stuff. When have you known me to remember those things? Look at me. In two years. Um, this is probably the third, third, third time, maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a generous estimate. (laughs) I'm cooking with Crisco. Vegan grease. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wins, wins, wins. Um, I don't have one come to mind just yet. Ooh, this is going to be a little salacious. So if you're under 18, you might want to turn this off. This one goes out to, uh, have you seen um, Nicki Minaj's ex-boyfriend Safari? No, I don't even know who that is. Safari? No. So <clears throat> for those of you who are know what I'm talking about, I know you're getting a good giggle. So Nicki Minaj was with um, a young gentleman named Safari, who she was with for a long time, and he helped her produce stuff or whatever. So they broke up after being together for over 10 years, and she moved on to date other people. 
So Safari has been on um, like Love and Hip Hop and all these kind of like, you know, reality shows. And the truth of the matter is on all the shows, he kind of comes off as like a nice guy, a little corny, but you know, nice guy. Child, Safari sent some pictures to a lady friend. And let's just say, I can see why Nicki Minaj was with him for 12 years. Wait, so my- what? There's a dick pic? That's your win? A dick pic? <laughs> no, it is not just any dick pic. Okay. That's why I said, if you're under 18, turn it off. Turn it off right now and go do your homework. Um, no, I'm, is- I'm trying to stay on this train with you. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. No, I just because it is not, when you, it's not the pic, it's the video. I just need you. When you see it, you're going to be like, I understand. Now, it's not, that's not my calling on my life. I am satisfied at home. But for those of you who might, you know, just, just that's a win for safari he is blessed and i just you know it's that's you know i know we usually don't go there but i thought you know what (laughs) i'm dying to procreate (laughs) something's changed (laughs) no when you see this video you're going to understand why you know who does a really great art like um funny you know lovey is really her her um her um blog is hilarious but go to her blog and read it is her kind of addressing this whole safari thing is just, you will laugh out loud. And so, yep, yeah, that's my win. My win is safari. You are blessed, brother. I do brother, love you- Lovey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to follow that up with uh, Michelle Obama's book is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> There's no segue that I could think of, so I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> oh, God. There's no natural connection. Um, yeah, our, our, our queen, Michelle Obama, her uh, first, our first lady's book is due out next November. Um, I think it just, just coincidentally coincides with election day and the midterm election. So, uh, you know, I think a message might be being sent there or it just could be the comforting, like comfort that we all need after what happens next election. Who knows? But mark your calendars, pre-order it. I'm so excited. Yes, and uh, head to Twitter and type in S A F R E E. I'm over. I'm done. I'm stopping. Stop. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs>